Hi, friends. Welcome to the Pain-Free Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Karen Welton, a certified doula, childbirth educator, and mother of three. In this space, we'll hear positive, supernatural, and yes, even pain-free birth stories from women just like you. We'll explore the deeply spiritual side of childbirth and how God designed women's bodies brilliantly for birth. Let's get started. Hi, mamas. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Ellie Levine from Ellie Levine Design, and she's sharing her birth stories uh, with us today. She's had three births, one a cesarean, the next a VBAC, and then the third a home birth where I worked with her um, kind of behind the scenes, and she took my course, and all radically different. She also is an incredible expert and practitioner in breathwork, and so she has some amazing gems she's going to share with us today that really transformed her birthing experiences. So, Allie, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you, Karen. I'm so honored to be here with you, and I was saying before we started recording, what divine timing, since you helped me last year, Abel, my son, the home birth happened a year ago you know September 11th is when he was born last year so it's yeah. so wild like here we are he just turned one amazing I love how God brings things full circle like that and just to be able to like reflect on his birth a year later and tell the birth story and give glory to God and and as like just a testimony what a beautiful thing so uh, would you tell us a little bit about where you were at with your first birth and how that all unfolded and the first and then the second and just the progression? Because obviously these are very different birthing experiences. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. It's so wild now when I look back on my journey and you're right. God has such a sense of humor, man, and it's so good. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's funny when I think back to my first birth, first off, I for those that don't know my story, I was a somebody yeah. wardrobe stylist. I was living in Hollywood at the time. I was very much in the grind. And I mentioned that because I was very on autopilot. I was not present. I was not present with my body, with my pregnancy. I was very on the go. And I believe that really had an impact on everything I went through into not making the right aligned choices when it came to my birth with my team, all the things, listening to the noise around me instead of listening to myself Mm -hmm. and really just the trauma I went through all through, you know, from the end of, you know, the birth to the postpartum depression that then came for a year and a half later and my journey from that. But the blessing in that was that led me to so much of finding God again and my faith and moved me into a place of true presence and health and letting go of all the BS and my ego, which I like to say is edging God out as surely was for me. Um, And I really had to go on a journey. God kind of took everything away from me for me to kind of burn it all down and let it all go to see like, you've been in this wrapped personality of like, you don't even know who you are anymore. You've fallen into everything. You know, you've gotten into toxic situations, toxic people, toxic opportunities, and you lost sight of your faith. You lost sight of who I am. You lost sight of who you are, who I've made you to be. And I say that because I think it took me a really long time, Karen, to even recognize that that's what was happening in the postpartum depression. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, the postpartum depression came, I believe, from the traumatic birth. Absolutely. Because 42 hours, you know, long story short, going from wanting a birth center birth to being transferred to a hospital to then 42 hours later into a C-section and having no clue as a new mom what that was going to look like. That was so intense all by itself. Was it emergency cesarean or was it like a lack of, like a failure to progress? 
Paleo All of the above. Yeah, good question. Yeah. yeah. So basically it was never really deemed quote unquote an emergency. Um, it, it was more like we're going to let her keep going because Amelia, my first, it kept kind of coming down twice in the birth canal, but then kept shooting back up. She wasn't coming all the way through. Yeah. And my um, midwife did come with me, um, you know, to the hospital. So at least she was able to help advocate and be a part of what was happening. And so she kind of let me know, hey, you, we can keep trying. And we've been going for a long time now. And of course there was a stubbornness in me, right? There was a part of me that really just wanted so badly to have at least somewhat of a birth that I wanted because I wasn't having the birth center birth. I wasn't having this, you know, perfect look of what I had imagined my birth to be, what I had dreamed of it to be. So there was like this letting go of that that I wasn't willing to do. So I just held on so tight and contracted my body. I'm sure now that I reflect back, back then I just felt like what's not happening. Now I realize what was happening. Yeah, you and were gripping on her, right? so tight to the birth I was holding wanted, so tight. And yes, it creates so like, that tension in your body. Yes. And I was totally. not regulated, obviously, right? Like I was a yeah. celebrity wardrobe stylist. I was an autopilot. And by the way, on that note, which I have to laugh now, but at the time I'm like, wow, it's kind of embarrassing, but I have to admit it because I'm all about being real and vulnerable, my stories. But I remember Karen, that one of my clients was blowing me up during my birth and I did not create those sacred boundaries. I did oh. not say no. And I was responding to her on my phone during labor. Like, Allie, <laughs> you look back and you're like, what was I thinking? <laughs> what was I thinking? What was I doing? Like that is yeah. the most sacred time of my life. And here I am trying to respond to a client who's flipping out about a dress about God knows what. And, but you know what? That in that moment, I feel like God was trying to show me a reflection. But once again, I was not listening. I was not seeing. I was just so tunnel vision. I'm like, let me get this done and let me make sure this person's happy because it's such a people pleaser. And I was so contracted and I was so <sighs> stuck. And I take full responsibility for that now because it's not on the client. It was on me to create the boundaries and to make sure I honored my sacred time. And I allowed that and I created that situation. And so fast forward, like you said, the clenching, the holding on so tight so that 42 hours later, it was like, she is not progressing. No matter what we do, they put me up to the highest Pitocin, oh epidural after epidural. I mean, it was like so intense. I was sick. I was throwing up. Like it was horrible. Oh, and I felt yeah. like I didn't even know who I was in my body. I could tell my husband, I was like, I don't feel anything yet. I feel something. Is this my body? Like it was so bizarre. Yeah. And by so then anyway, your body's not even responding later. to the drugs and your yes. receptors are oversaturated and nothing. And, and your body goes into survival mode and just shuts down. So. There's no baby coming out at that point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Complete survival mode. I love that you mentioned that because obviously with being a breathwork expert now, I talk about that all the time is like how our body goes from the parasympathetic, which is that rest and digest homeostasis that we come into this world and when we're born as babies and we're able to flow and, you know, move through versus yeah. what you just spoke to, which is our sympathetic, which is the fight, yeah. flight or freeze, which I was in freeze. I mean, I was in fighting for sure. for sure. And then I moved into freeze and there was no getting me out of it. Like I was sure. stuck. Yeah. So you had this traumatic birth experience, which then led into postpartum depression, but it sounds like God used that, that journey that you were on to sort of reawaken yourself. So what happened next? Yes, it's so true. I, I really do believe that postpartum depression journey was my, my true awakening. Like mm -hmm. I was saying, you know, when I went through the postpartum depression, I you know a lot came up, right? Like when you go through something traumatic, I realized I hadn't grieved, you know, my grandmother's passing back in 2013. That was a huge piece of something that I, I think that's why I got so toxic, honestly, and why I kind of just 
turned everything else off with my soul and just didn't want to feel. And I just got into grind mode. Let me focus on this career and make everybody else happy. Don't worry about Ali's happiness. Just stay here. Tunnel vision. Don't feel just keep going because I was in survival mode again. I didn't want to deal with losing her. She was my person. You know, that's who Mm. Amelia is named after. That was my, my grandmother's name. Mm. Um, and I know she's very much with me on the other side, but you know, physically losing her was very traumatic for me and changed the trajectory of my life, you know, for quite some time. And then, like you said, God so beautifully used the postpartum depression to wake me up and to bring me back to my soul and the authenticity of Allie and who I truly was, you know, in his eyes and how I was created to be. And when that happened, you know, I just started recognizing through meditation and prayer and starting to do some breath work and starting to really regulate and calm that all the fear started to fall away and all these like limiting beliefs and blocks and stories all started to fall away. And then it was so fascinating to see as that happened. And I was sort of affirmations around my body as well of like my body is healed and my body is well, because I was inflamed from all the medicine and I was you know, so messed up from everything. And then of course the C-section scar was brutal and it took me like six weeks to even get out of bed. Like it was, it was a tough recovery, you know? And I just kept saying all these different things after of course being in some darkness for quite some months. And this is now fast forward what I was doing. And as I was doing that, I started to notice my body started to shift and my body started like actually healing. And then my Mm. mind started healing. And it was like, wait a second, these, these practices, these things I'm doing, I'm out of the fight or flight. I'm out of fear. And I recognize like, holy crap, God heals me. Like this is like, not only like help me to see so much in the postpartum depression, but like God literally heals me. And it was such an eye opener. And it was such an awakening of like, oh my gosh. And then these tools that God gives us, right? These affirmations, breath work, meditation, all these things that allow you, I believe, to truly regulate your nervous system and come back to the authenticity of you, to come back to who you are as a soul, because that's how we're created to be. And it was life-changing. And then we can get into Harley's birth. Oh, wow. So you really discovered God again and and discovered the breathwork practices in your healing journey in your postpartum. So how long after did you get pregnant and have your second? Yeah. So that was uh, 2018 is when I had Amelia. And then I went through heavy postpartum depression pretty much all through then to basically probably about a little after 2019. I remember when I had Amelia's first birthday, I started to see the light at the end of the tunnel and I like got dressed and put my makeup on sort of feel like myself again or a new version of Allie. And I was like, oh, thank you, God. I can breathe and I can celebrate and I can feel, right? That was another thing that God really walked me through was like, allowing myself to feel those emotions, but then also releasing them and realizing I am not these emotions. God doesn't give these to us. These are things that are like embedded in us. They're not of us. We feel them because we have to move through them to heal them, but they are not who we are at the authentic core. And so I was brought through that journey too, of like releasing all that trauma and feeling it and letting it go once and for all and allowing the healing. So then fast forward, I got pregnant with Arlie and 2020. <laughs> <laughs> oh, joy. COVID baby. <laughs> right. COVID babies. Like, I, I mean, seriously, like God obviously was like, and the next lesson is. <laughs> and then <laughs> you know? like, what a test and like, keep staying in your peace to be pregnant during COVID. That was one of the worst times for um, pregnant women to be pregnant. So much fear, so much anxiety in the world. Like you're so isolated. Much. I have so much compassion. I was done having babies by then, but like, oh, I, that's, I released my e-course right at the start of COVID. Yes. And 
I th- I actually thought, oh, I missed it. It's, we're two weeks in. They're going to open everything back up in a week or something. And <laughs> we were going to be in that that for two that years. Bubble. I know. Well, and I was in California at the time. So, oh, like, so even about worse. The fear porn. Yeah. And we were locked in our home for over a year and, you know, all the things and, you know, whatever. I didn't comply. So, so I how? La, la, la. You know, and it was just like, it was insane. And you're right. It was such a test of like the fear started rushing back up to be really honest. Karen, the fear was coming massively because everyone around me was like, oh my gosh, you're pregnant. What are you going to do? Like, it was like everybody around me was in my ear and I was hearing everything and feeling everything again. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just got out of postpartum depression. I finally have found a new version of me. I've been reinventing myself, been on this healing journey and now this is happening. Like you've got to be kidding me. And honestly, I got really dark for a moment. I really lost it and I had a major breakdown and I started praying and I started breathing and I started meditating. And God told me that he would get me through to have faith that it was going to get crazy. It was going to look wild, but I was going to have my inner peace and I was going to be fine. And so was my baby. And I had to trust. I was not yeah. given fear. And I heard it loud and clear. Yeah. So that fear is so powerful. It's so powerful in labor, so powerful in pregnancy. And it was so overwhelming during that time. I remember... I I actually created like a class and I told women like your body has not changed. Like the whole world around you has changed. It is like crazy out there. It is survival mode. It is fear. It is propaganda. It's all of this fear, but your body still works. Your body still works just like it has for thousands of years. And I just wanted women to know that because it was so hard to put up those like boundaries and you almost had to create like a bubble around yourself just to keep all that fear out. And I think women, pregnant women have to do that all the time anyway, because there's a generic fear of birth, of childbirth. Yes. yes. And but then COVID, it was like tenfold. <laughs> so it was like on steroids. I mean it was Yeah, like, it was on for sure. It was insane. I mean, especially again in California, not to be repetitive, but it really was because everyone around you was fear. Everything was, you know, you're not going to be able to do this. You're not going to do that. Like, you know, so long story short, like I wanted to have a VBAC, right? With Arlie. And before COVID hit, when I, you know, was first, you know, pregnant, that was like, you know, okay, no problem. Like you want to have a VBAC? Well, we'll do TOLAC trial of labor. I know for those that don't know, and you know, we'll see what happens. And I had to advocate for that, you know, in the first place, like I had to fire my first doctor because my first doctor said, nope, you had a C-section. So you're having another C-section. I was like, wait a second. (laughs) I know from my own studies, my own healing journey, my own resources, thank God, that that is not true. And yeah. 85% of women actually go through and have a VBAC. So no, you're yeah, fired. They're, right. They're successful. 80 to 85% are successful in their VBAC. So yes, preach girl. You're like, I'm claiming that. <laughs> I was like, you're fired. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was like, no way, no oh, way. Love it. <laughs> so then after that, like I, you know, found, you know, another doctor who finally said yes. And I remember I was crying in his office and he's like, okay, I don't get so emotional. It's okay. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I've been talking to like 10 people, like nobody yes. would do it. And he's like, it's not a big deal you know he's like oh you just needed somebody who would like believe in you yes yes and I was like okay so then you know of course fast forward then we have COVID and he's like okay I know I told you this and I'm still going to stick to this as best I can but I'm letting you know policies are changing quickly procedures are changing quickly everything's changing quickly I don't even know if your husband will be allowed to be here you know I don't even know if this will you know it was like oh my god wait what like everything was changing so quickly. And I was so grateful that I had my practices of breath work and prayer and meditation to continue to move me through every time the fear would creep up. Every time it would say, this is not going to happen. This is going to happen. Instead, it was like, no, breathe into faith, 
trust, regulate, and receive the word and know that you're going to be fine. And that's what I did every single day, Karen. And it was so intense sometimes where I would just get in the bath for hours, honestly, and do that and cry and just release and allow myself to move all of that out and say, fear, you are not allowed to be here. You don't live here. And I would go move back into faith, you know, and really yeah. trust. And it was, and you said it so perfectly with the sacred boundaries. I had to tell my own parents and family and friends, like, stop calling. Like, I love you, but stop. I'm not giving you any more updates. I'm not having this conversation anymore. I'm not feeding this energy. I'm not feeding this fear. I understand where you're at and I can appreciate it. And I know it's in love, but I can't do it because it's messing with me. It's getting into my head. It's getting into my body and I cannot do it. I have to create these sacred boundaries. And I honestly, I hurt a lot of people in the sense of, you know, hurt their egos, right? Like they didn't understand and they felt very shut out, but it was because I had to protect my peace. I had to protect myself and my baby and say, I love you, but I have to love me more and love this baby and protect my sacred bubble and make sure that everything I do is in alignment with what God is telling me to do, period. Yeah. And you should never feel guilty for setting those sacred boundaries. I love that term sacred boundaries because they are sacred and what you're protecting is sacred. Your birth is sacred. Your baby's experience, your experience of that labor and birth is sacred. And so those boundaries are sacred and people don't understand them all the time and they get offended. And you know what? That's okay. Like they'll get over it, but you're going to remember your birth for the rest of your life. And that's up to you to create those boundaries. And it can be hard to say no. It can be hard to not respond to someone who wants updates or, you know, put up a boundary and say, I don't want to hear that fearful narrative or birth story. Like I'm, I'm focused on this thing. And sometimes it takes all our energy as pregnant women to, to stay focused on the truth and the, and where God is aligning us and directing us and not get distracted and pulled side by side by all the fear. It takes a massive amount of mental energy just to do that. So good for you. It sounds like that was a massive learning curve for you. Massive (laughs) massive learning curve, massive breakthrough. Which it is for a lot of women. When we cross from maiden to mother, that is, I think, one of the hardest lessons. It's like, oh, I can't say yes to everybody all the time anymore. I have to value me. And if yes. I don't value me, I'm not, I'm not able to be there for my baby. That's a That's big, right. big lot. That was a big lesson for me too. I'm still learning it in many ways. <laughs> oh, me too. Are you kidding? And like the people pleaser, the recovering people pleaser oh, has to sure. constantly let go of that and be like, no, this is your time. This is this season. Yeah. This is what you're doing. Like your babies come first, you come first. Like it's so, oh. it is, it's like in your family, so sacred. Right. Yeah. And I love you said that about the sacred boundaries that resonated for you. Cause honestly, God told me that one night in the bath, I was just sitting and I was crying and I was releasing. And God was like, you are sacred. This baby is sacred. This portal is sacred. You must keep your sacred boundaries. And I heard it loudly. And I was like, okay, these are my sacred boundaries. I'm no longer going to feel guilty mm. about telling someone no, or not giving them the new due date or what's happening with this and all the things. And so fast forward, Arlie, my daughter, right in 2020, uh, you know, totally uh, knew what was going on because (laughs) they didn't let partners in, you know, to the, you know, hospital and all the things. So I was then considering having a home birth then, because I told my husband, I was like, I'm not having this baby without you. There's no way. So I started talking to midwives. I mean, I was, I went into a little bit of fear because I was like, I'm not doing this this way. Like I'm going to find another way. And then I kept meeting with different midwives and something inside my soul. God must have been putting on my spirit. Like, nope, you got to go forward with what you planned. You got to go back to Mm -hmm. the doctor you found. Like, and I was so grateful because when we, when I tell us the story, I understand, but 
it was just like, God was really saying like, you know, you got to stick with the original plan. So I had to release all of that, release the expectations and just trust, trust, right? Like when we put expectations on ourselves, right. With anything, but especially with birth, I've learned you create failure without it even being a failure yet, because you've created something that you don't even know what it's going to be, right? Because we don't know, God knows, but we don't know. So we create this, you know, story and then we hold on to it so tightly, which I did in the first birth, obviously, right? So that lesson was coming back up for me for the second time of like, let go, let God, true faith is letting go and allowing and releasing. And that was a big lesson for me. And so I, you know, I let go and I let God and I remember being just praying and saying, please let my husband be there. Please, I don't want to be alone. I know I could do it, but please just, I don't, you know, my doula was already told she wasn't allowed to come. So I'd hire a doula and then she was told she couldn't come. So she was virtual, you know, all the things. And it was like, please just, just allow this, please. So God answered my prayers. Arlie was technically quote unquote late. And I was past my 40 weeks and my doctor was like trying to induce me, trying to push me and was like, come on, especially with COVID, like, let's go, let's get you in. And I was yeah. like, no, you promised me that you would honor my sacred boundaries with this. You promised me you would let me do my whole toe lack to make sure everything was safe. But if it was, you were going to let me go for the VBAC. We're sticking with that plan. I know inductions can also take that away from my own research. And he was like, yeah, but we could do it this and then we could go slow. And I was like, I'm not doing interventions. Like respectfully, I'm not. And I actually <laughs> I canceled Karen two inductions that he scheduled on me. <laughs> Yes. Ladies, if you don't know by now from following me, you can cancel your induction. You cannot show up to your induction. That is a hundred percent your choice. <laughs> yes. And can I tell you, like to be really real, I felt like I was like a bad kid in school. Totally. I didn't know my husband. I'm like, I'm gonna call really late and leave a message on the machine. He's like, okay. And I was like, <laughs> I feel like I'm doing something wrong. Like, you know, it's like you're so programmed. Right. We're so programmed to follow the I rules. Think this is Yes. And I was like, I remember I was like, hi, if you could just tell uh, doctor that I'm not coming in tonight and uh, I'll see him on my next appointment in two days and hung up. <laughs> <laughs> like wait till he's gone, like and left work. It's like six o'clock. <laughs> Love right? it. And he called, he Good called me. The next- <laughs> Thank you. And he called me the next morning and he's like half laughing, half annoyed. And he's like, okay, well, apparently you're not coming in. And I was like, no, I'm not. And he's like, don't make me drive out there and get you. And I was like, I will be there when I go into labor. Trust. <laughs> And he's like, okay. So then like, then he started doing, you know, um, the NST, of course, because I was past my time to make sure everything was good with baby, the non-stress test. So I would go in twice a week and she was great and the fluids were great. So we checked scar, everything was good. So he's like, all right, as much as I don't want to, I'll let you keep moving forward, keep moving forward, which I have to give him that credit. Cause we, we went back and forth. There was a battle, but yeah. he allowed me to. But you advocated my for boundaries. yourself. You advocated. And I love that there was a little bit of humor in it too. Like, I see you're not coming in because he knew like, this is, this is how the game works. Like they'll, they'll sign you up for the induction. They'll, they'll, they'll say it like this is happening as if they have all the power. And then when they realize, oh, she knows she's the one in charge. Then they have to hire them. They're your provider. They realize, oh, I have to retreat. She knows she's in charge. I can't force her. I can't control. I can't actually show up and drag her there, but I'll joke about it. But I know as the doctor knows, like they can't do that. What are they going to do? Send the cops and arrest you and drag you Right. You drive it up to my driveway yourself and put me in your car. Like what's happening? So he's realizing, ah, Darn it. She figured out she's in, in charge here. Oh, I guess I'll just have to go get you. Even though he knows like, I can't do that. But totally. then it becomes a humorous thing. And he has to work with you because you're the the client. You're in charge. You hired him. 
So good for you, girl. Love Thank it. You. What a great lesson in like <laughs> rising up into your motherhood. <laughs> right? I'm not going to lie. I was scared. I, was scared doing I it, bet you I did, were. I did it yeah. scared and, you know, he, we flowed. So as I said, God has a sense of humor, man. Arlie literally came right at 42 weeks on the nose. Wow. He told me the next day that if, she, you know, if I hadn't gone that night, he was, you know, by hell or high water, he was going to induce me. He's like, you were at the very end. We had gone as long as you had promised, you know, which was fair. That's, and he was like, yeah. I, you know, he's like, I was not going to budge on that. And oh, I bet that made him I, super nervous. I, I was having... Yeah. I mean, it was wild. And I, I had heavy prodromal labor for those that don't know what that is kind of like a start stop. Karen can obviously speak more to it, but it was like this yeah. constant start stop for like two and a half weeks with Arlie of like, I kept thinking and then nothing would happen. Keep thinking. And it's funny now, Karen, when I think about it, I'm like, Oh, probably again, because I was holding, I was tightening. Yeah. I was yeah, hunching. I was, I was fearful that. of what was going to happen with COVID. Yeah. And so therefore she was probably trying to come and trying to come. And I just kept Holding yeah. in the body. Holding you were in the going body. into the sympathetic nervous system and getting anxious and stressed again. And that shuts down labor, which I think this happens right. a lot with prodromal labor, you know, or it could be a positional thing with baby, but very often we're so stressed trying to get this baby to come that we actually prevent labor from starting or it starts, stops, starts, stops because the baby, the body, excuse me, gets the message. It's not safe. There's danger out there. The, the danger, we're creating the danger in our head. Right, <laughs> but the right. body it doesn't matter if it's imagined or real and there's a tiger chasing you the body goes uh-oh adrenaline it's not safe shut down labor <laughs> right e- exactly and i love you said that about the body because i always tell my clients like the body is the divine channel it is the messenger like so yes. whether it's real or not like you said like it, the body is receiving it it's, it's like well, it's and it to me, so i'm doing it yep mm-hmm. and you can't lie to your body it knows the truth <laughs> It's, I, I love you said you can't lie to your body. I say the same thing to all my clients. I'm like, your nervous system doesn't lie. Your brain can lie, your it's ego, all the things, but your 100%. nervous system doesn't lie. So it whatever's knows. coming up, that's what's going on. It knows exactly. So, you know, fast forward, um, you know, I'm having the drama labor. And, you know, honestly, I have to give credit to my husband where credit is due because I was doing so many things. I was doing acupuncture. I was doing my meditation, my breath work, all the things, practices, modalities. And I'm sure they all helped. I think the acupuncture for sure opened me up a little bit. But my husband, we went on a lot of walks at the end of my pregnancy. And my husband turned to me and we were walking with Amelia. And he looked at me and he said, what's the worst thing? Maybe you need to look at it like this. He's a golfer. He's a really good golfer. And he looks at like fear really well. And he looks and manages things. And he looked at me and he goes, maybe you need to look at it like this. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Either way, we're coming home with our baby girl and we're starting our family of four. So what's the worst thing? You wind up in another C-section. I know you don't want that, but 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 you have our beautiful baby girl at the end of it. And I really believe, Karen, that that was the final release that I needed yeah. to hear and receive of like, oh, my body feels safe to let this happen. And I don't even know if he realizes that he did that, but he did. And it was so powerful and so transformational because that night, so that night we had pizza and we were just dancing with Amelia, like till like, I don't know, it was probably 10 or 11 o'clock at night, just like partying and just having fun. Cause it was like a kind of last hurrah, right? Like this is the final of us three. I knew either way I was going to have to get induced if it didn't happen. So it was kind of just letting it all go. Like, let's just hang out. I had a tiny bit of wine. I don't drink, but I had a tiny bit of wine. I like had pizza. I danced around. And I just let myself have fun. And then I laid down. I have my essential oils going. I did a little bit of breath work. I did a little bit of the, um, the, you taught me the pushing on the pressure points. Yeah. Um, the ACU, 
uh, pressure. pressure of the call. Yeah. yeah. And I was doing that and he was doing it too on my ankles, my feet, and just kind of laying down. And I just surrendered and I just took another deep breath and I said, I'm going to bed and I, I know I'm going to see my baby very, very soon. And I'm trusting, I'm trusting in my body. I'm trusting in you, God, to bring me my baby and I will be safe. Everything will be well, regardless of what is going on in the outside world. I will be, everything will be well. And, and then a few hours later, I want to say it was like, maybe like 1130 midnight, maybe even one thinking back, it doesn't matter. It was blur, but I remember waking up and I had this like weird feeling, but I didn't think it was labor. And I was like, I'm hungry. I'm going to go downstairs and get a snack. Everybody was asleep. I went down my stairs. I started going and I, I'm not kidding. All of a sudden it was so intense. It was so tight. I was like, I'm not getting a snack. Oh my goodness. What is going on? And I like <laughs> fell on my stairs and like caught myself and was like, started doing, trying to, you know, using my breathwork exercises. I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is labor. Oh my gosh, it's labor. And I'm trying to like calm down the adrenaline and like, okay, it's okay. And I'm going to turn around. I couldn't even get up my stairs because I was so intense and it was so wow. tight. So quickly. I just started crawling very slowly <laughs> up my staircase and, and I just had to like surrendered like through each one, just using the breath and get up. So I got up. And I crawled into my bathroom and I turned down my tub and I was like, I'm going to get in the tub and leave her a little bit. I'm just going to chill. I'm going to just trust and chill. I didn't want to wake my husband up, especially because the drama had been so intense. I was like, what if it's not it? I'm just, I'm, you know, Amelia's yeah. sleeping. I'm just going to get in my tub. I texted my doula. Thank God she had her phone on and she's like, call me. Let me just hear. And you just be in your zone and do your hypnobirthing and be in your zone. So I had taken hypnobirthing classes as well. So I okay, I get in the tub and I'm just, you know, doing my thing and I'm getting, she's like, okay, I'm listening. And next thing I know, I hear her yelling in my ear, Karen. She's like, it's time to go. It's time to go. And I'm like, wait, what? And I feel like I'm in a fog. And she's like, what's going on? And I'm like, what, what's going on? She's like, you're, you're progressive. Like I've been timing you. Like you're now like literally not even six minutes apart. Like you got to go to the hospital. You got to leave now. And I was like, I was in such a zone. You were so young with the zone. Breathing and meditating and praying and was in the bath, you know, just in the darkness with God, just being in the sacredness that I had progressed so much. I didn't even know. I was just, I was just there. Which and is where like, you should be for labor. <laughs> yes. Except you got to go to the hospital. <laughs> right. Exactly. It was like you go to the hospital. And she's like, where's Justin? I'm like sleeping. And she's like, get him up. And I'm like... <laughs> And it's like, you probably know, would have had a home birth if it wasn't for your doula. <laughs> right? I thought about that. I was like, I probably totally could have done it by myself. And, uh, <laughs> and it yeah, like, like, wakes up, you got a baby in the tub. Like, hey, <laughs> this is what's happening. Right? I was like, oh my gosh, so crazy. So, and, you know, God is such a sense of humor, man. And so, she, you know, she's like, get him up, get him up. So I'm, you know, wait, trying to wake him up. I'm not getting out of the tub because I'm like, in it. So I'm like, Justin, Justin, and he's passed out. He snores so loud, Karen. I'm like, Justin, <laughs> he's still snoring. My bathroom, by the way, is attached to my bedroom. So this man is sleeping through me, moaning, groaning, oh like God bless him, you know? And, <laughs> and men have that ability. <laughs> they just right? That ability. Anything. Yeah, through yeah. anything. It's like, oh, it's just an earthquake. No big deal. Okay. I'm good. So, <laughs> and so, you know, did that too, living in California. And so, you know, my, my doula gets him on the phone, long story short, she gets him up and he's like, what's going on? She's like, you're always in labor. It's time to go. Like, you gotta go. And then my neighbor doesn't pick up, you know, to come over to be with Amelia. So then my doula comes racing over to be with Amelia because she's sleeping, right? It's like four in the morning. So she's not yeah. up and she can't go with us because of COVID. So it's like, okay. Oh, so anyways, 
fast forward, she comes over, she kind of texts me, even though, you know, I know Dooler's not really supposed to do, but she kind of just makes sure I'm like, everything's looking good. And she's like, yeah, you're, you're ready to go. You're actually getting ready to transition. So like, if you start to shake and things start to pick up, just try to stay as centered as you can in the car, which I have to be honest, once Justin got me in the truck and, you know, buckled me, laid me down, like I was having a really hard time because I was feeling the intensity. My body was shaking. I was getting cold. I was trembling, like all the transition that was happening while I was in the vehicle and oh, the bumps the and the roads the, and California the traffic. The ride to the hospital is just the like, worst. Oh, yeah. it was so intense. It was so intense. So, so you and Justin anyway, went, did your doula stay home with your daughter? Oh uh, yeah. My doula stayed home with my daughter and let her sleep and she stayed home and she actually worked with me virtually. God bless her with, with me at the <laughs> right, hospital. Right, because she couldn't be there check after on all. Me yeah. and FaceTime to be okay. part of it. So fast forward, we get there and long story short, it was like, you know, Hey, throw a mask on. I was like, not wearing a mask. You know, it was like all the things So that it brought my adrenaline up. Right. I was in a pretty centered place. You have to fight. In the yeah. car. And then I bring that up because it's important for the story. It was like, they were trying to shove the mask on me, bright lights. Everyone's yelling. It was like, you know, chaos. And my husband was like, just get her in the room, you know, let her calm down. And so we get in my husband, thank God was putting up my, my birth affirmation cards and my twinkle lights and making my space face and lowered the lights and he was my doula since I was allowed to have my doula and and uh you know my doctor comes in he's like oh I see we're actually in labor and I'm like oh ha, ha, ha. you know and he's like I swear when you called I'm like there's no way I'm inducing her tomorrow there's no way she's in labor he's like no you are he's like you're at about an eight you're like you're there nice. <laughs> he was probably shocked <laughs> he was shocked he was shocked his brain was like what just happened you know and so <laughs> so um anyway so um you know I'm laboring and the whole thing and and um fast forward to when it's time to push and I finally had kind of gotten calm again and you know things had relaxed from all the chaos and mind you I had a nurse who was insane and I say that too because she was so COVID fearful and she wouldn't help me with any, you know, comfort measures. And she wouldn't even come near me because I wouldn't wear a mask. And she was yelling at me. And it was like, oh my gosh, lady, you're making my experience insane, you know? And so it was like, we fired her. Talk about advocating for yourself. I told my husband to get rid of her. So we fired her. (laughs) I had no nurse for hours because it was COVID. So nobody was on staff. And then finally two nurse angels honestly came in at the end and they helped me practice for almost an hour and a half pushing of what to do, what to expect for what it to look like, because I hadn't really pushed since I had the C-section with Amelia, yeah, right? It's I, like didn't, the first I didn't birth factor for that in. in. Yeah. First yeah. birth in a sense, you know, I hadn't factored that in like, yay, the labor had progressed. I had made it through that hurdle, but then, right. oh, wait, but then there's pushing. I hadn't done the pushing, right? <laughs> we get I so in no our head idea. about like, get to 10 centimeters. And then we're there and we're yes. like, wait, now there's this whole right. other phase of labor. <laughs> yes. And I, I don't think I was prepared for that, honestly. So it was like, oh, wait, I have to do this now too. So, you know, we're, we're pushing, we're practicing. And I was like, okay, Allie, it's, it's go time. Okay. And it's like, all right. So luckily I wasn't on my back. I was you know on the bar squatting. Cause that was how I felt most comfortable. So they did, you know, help me with that and everything. And she started coming down and, you know, we were, everything was progressing. And then all of a sudden she got stuck and he was like, okay, if everything's okay right now, we're just going to keep moving through. Like she's safe. Like we're just, you know, and I'm like, okay. And so, you know, he's telling me different things to do and, you know, I'm pushing down and bearing down and we're moving my legs a little bit and trying to readjust. And she's still kind of a little bit stuck. And he looks at me and he's like, all right, if this continues, like, I'm sorry, but like, 
you know where I'm going with this. And I was in my mind, I was like, by hell or high water, I'm not doing this. I didn't come this far for this to happen. And I know in a part, I think back to that, I'm like, okay, it's a little bit control, but I really was just so in faith that like, no, I trusted that I could do this. I really, really could do this. And I looked at my husband and I said, I need my earbuds, please. I got to put them in my ear. I went to my breathwork playlist that I had with my fear releasing meditation and affirmations. And I put it in my ear. And I started listening and I started praying and Karen, I swear to God to this day, I still don't know how to explain it to anybody I talked to when I started deeply breathing and I started regulating and really calming myself. I started to feel like I was out of my body. And then next thing I knew I was out of my body. I was seeing myself over my body. I was seeing beautiful swirls of like pink and purple and like heavenly colors. It was so, I seriously don't know how to explain it. It was so wild. It was, but I would imagine God would show you in heaven. Like it was just incredible. And I was above and I was like feeling that I was pushing, but I wasn't feeling that I was pushing. It was so out of body. I still just don't know how to have the words to explain it. And I hear him say like, okay, I'm going to use the vacuum to help. And you're going to push. And this is it. Like, this is the last moment push. And I, as I was deeply in this trance, I remember still being anchored in to push. And next thing I knew, I'm like, okay, pray and push. And I pushed and I felt the vacuum and and there she was, and she was on my chest. And it was like, and then I was back in my body. Like, it was like, there she was. I saw her come earth side from heaven to earth. And then she was on my chest and there I was on the table. Like, And it was like, she's here. And I was just hysterical. And my husband was like, eyes and mouth was like disbelief. Everybody was like, you know, it was like shocked. And it was like nine pounds, three ounces. Holy crap. Here she is. <laughs> so I love that you're talking about this and that you shared about that and where you went in labor because- I talk about this all the time that women go into altered states of consciousness and especially in that transition and pushing phase before, right before baby comes out, it's a deeply spiritual experience. And I think you actually described it beautifully. Like it's all, I still don't know how to describe it. Honestly. (laughs) I mean, I love that you said altered states of consciousness because that's exactly what breath work does for us as well. And it was like, I, I couldn't, I still don't have the words because it was so out of body and so transformational in that moment. And there she was on my chest. And I was in such disbelief. My husband put it so beautifully. He looked at me and he goes, wow, from Amelia to Arlie, it was like watching postpartum depression to postpartum euphoria. Like he couldn't yes. believe what a different woman and mother he was seeing. And Arlie latched immediately. And it was like, you know, and apparently, you know, I was bleeding a ton of blood and I didn't even know because I was so euphoric. I was so in, you know, the moment of everything that was happening, that it was just like, here I am with my baby and I did it and God showed up and like nothing else matters. And mm-hmm. so much so that like when we rolled over into postpartum, speaking of COVID, BLM was burning down the building, literally like across the way from Cedar sinai at the time. They came running in, locked down our room. They were like, you're going to smell the smoke. They were like, you know, we're locking down the hospital. and I'm still like literally floating like oh I just did this and God's got me and they're like there's chaos everywhere and it was like that's here I am with my beautiful baby and you're still riding the birth high (laughs) the birth high golden hour all is well in the world you're not taking her away from me like and it was just it was wild thank God my doctor because everything was fine let me leave literally that night before they locked the hospital down so we went home and got into bed and recovered and got to be with Amelia and that was how we started you know our next journey but like oh my gosh God showed up so profoundly honestly Karen that's why I became certified as a breathwork coach because when that happened and that 
was so transformational with the altered states of consciousness, with the release of fear, with the faith, everything. It was like, God woke me up so deeply through the breath that I was like, how can I not get into this work and change other women and mothers' lives by doing this? And anyone really who's willing to receive the gift of breath work, because God gives us this gift within us. And it's just a matter of understanding how to use it. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, it's the breath of life. It's, and it's how our bodies are designed. Like, that's so beautiful. And I love that you touched on the euphoria of birth. Like what a 180 shift to go from like a fearful, (laughs) traumatic cesarean postpartum depression to literally like euphoria out of body experience in your birth. How, how was your postpartum for this so much better. It was so much better. First off, I was, I was healed in a couple of days and I had a second degree tear and it was like nothing. And I was walking a couple of days later. I mean, we got on, we got on a plane less than two weeks later because we wanted to get out of California and just get away from all the COVID nonsense. And we flew to my husband's parents in Pennsylvania because COVID didn't exist there because they're in the mountains, you know, and it was like, <laughs> so literally like I got wow. the sign off. I got the sign off from the pediatrician of like, she's good. Everything's well. And she's like, I wouldn't really recommend you do it during the night of COVID. And I was like, cool. Thanks. We're gone. You're and like, I'm like, out of here. We're out. And we flew and we got there and we were there, you know, for basically like two months almost we spent with you know his parents to spend time and have them meet Arlie and it was beautiful and I walked through the airport no problem I had you know barely any you know excess bleeding I healed in like a week my my stomach went back down immediately like it was so so different wild how different and mind you I did have I didn't mention this when we were telling the story but I had a little bit of a walking epidural a a slight little bit just to help me at the end because I was having a hard time and I still didn't even notice that because my body processing everything out so quickly and I think because I was on such a high and all that had happened my healing was incredible I mean my husband was like oh my gosh you're barely like in bed only to like rest little bits like you're not struggling, like you feel good, you're walking around, you're nursing, like everything, you know, Arlie yeah. latched. I was breastfeeding from that moment, whereas Amelia didn't latch and I was over pumping and overproducing for a month and a half. Like the, it was night and day from yeah. one to the two. And then forget number three with the home birth. I mean, completely even more of a transformation, you know, like it's just, it's so wild how much, like you said, we're divinely made to do this yet. We're programmed to believe that we're not. Yes. And that fear gets in our head. And that's why I say birth is 80% mental, 20% physical, or even higher, 90% mental, 10% physical, because it's so much about our mindset and what we believe about birth determines how we experience birth. And that is like an incredible example of that. So tell me about your third birth and how that was different from your others. Yeah, absolutely. So we officially connected. We had been talking a little bit, you know, in 2020, you released your e-course, but then we really connected when I was pregnant with Abel. So I was able to get your course and start working with you behind the scenes and have your support, which was, by the way, game changer in my pregnancy and in my birth, because you do teach so much of the mind body spirit, which is so, so, so important. And I learned that in, you know, Abel's birth. And so, you know, he's now one. So it was last year, you know, when I had him, which is wild, um, September 11th of, you know, 2022. And there were so many things that were different. First off, just the pregnancy alone, I honored my sacred boundaries. Like I really, first off, I didn't tell really anyone I was having a home birth, including my family, which again, upset them, but it was necessary for me to be able to go through what I needed to go through and to keep my peace. 
Yeah, totally. And it was hard, not going to lie. I hear that a lot about women. it, but you know what? I, I needed to honor that. And so yeah, I really didn't tell anyone. My, <laughs> right. Even my friends, what's your due date? What's your due date? I was like, my month, my due month is, yep. you know, and they were like, what do you mean? A month is, and I was like, yep, that's all you're getting. I'm not giving details. I'm <laughs> yes. on social media, like, you know, social media when I with Amelia, I had given everybody literally play by I play every single day, every single update. And then it was like every single opinion. And I realized that that was also massively adding to everything. So it was like, nope, this go time, it's sacred boundaries, you know, with COVID, obviously with Arlie, I didn't have to worry about social media because nobody was like, you know, speaking anything. So I I wasn't really posting, but with Abel, I was like, no, I'm going to honor this. I'm not going to share this. I'll give little bits here and there, but I'm not, I'm going to keep a lot to myself this time. I'm going to honor that privacy. And so I did through the whole pregnancy and that really helped. And then um, when prodrama labor actually did happen with him a little bit at the end, I started to really recognize, again, this was me holding, this was fear. And I was able to really have the awareness. I think too, obviously then being certified as a breathwork facilitator at this point, I was able to really have the conscious awareness of like regulating my nervous system, using breathwork, as well as your exercises that you teach in your course to use both the combination to help me regulate, to stay out of fear and move back into faith and trust what I was going through. And that helped release the prodromal quite a bit. Um, I will say I still did have two quick, um, you know, false starts so much so that my midwife came over, the whole team came, like we were sh- sure it was a sure thing. And I really realized in the second time it happened that it was like, I needed to release, like I really needed to let go and say, I'm going to trust God and I have to let go. And my doula really helped me with that. She was like, listen, you got to process what happened with Arlie. You got to really let all that go. Trust this is a totally new birth and all the work you've done around this and everything is going to be okay. And I know it's scary because you've never had a home birth, but like you can do this, you want this and you can do this. And and so I had to really keep releasing more and more layers of fear of like what could happen, the transfer happen, right? All these things that like, yeah. had to really let go of and let my body receive that like yeah. I was holding again and I had to be conscious of that. So, yeah. and again, I remember like, DMing you during that like, time. <laughs> yes, exactly. That sacred time and honoring yeah. it, you know, and then we started going out and just walking around for walks at the restaurants and just trying to get my mind off things and just having fun with the girls and my husband. And that really helped. And then finally, um, it was funny <laughs> on nine 11, I went into labor and I, this is hysterical because I'm like, Oh God, this is a humor again. I jumped up and I said to my husband, there's no way I'm having a baby on nine 11. I'm not in labor. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there's no way, there's no way. And I was trying to shut it down. And I even turned my heating pad up all the way to a 10 and went back to bed, Karen. Like, oh, I'll just go to sleep. Tomorrow I'll have the baby. Like, <laughs> I love like how you're like trying to get it to come. Then you're, it comes. You're like, oh, it's not coming. Like how right. little control over this we really have. <laughs> yeah. Like, like what, are you, what are you doing? So anyways, clearly God was like, yeah, no, he's like, coming. Yeah, right. I'm coming. Like he's coming. <laughs> So literally I jump up, you know, a half hour later and I tell my husband, call the midwife, call my wife. Oh my God, these are so intense. And I get into the tub and I, you know, I'm, I'm doing my breathing. And the reason, by the way, they were so intense that she didn't tell me till after I had able and everything, or I think maybe weeks later in the birth processing, I was at a 10 from like the get go. <laughs> goodness like she checked you and just didn't tell you didn't tell me because she was she was afraid of my fear which is that I was not progressing as long you know with the prodromal you know it wasn't going to active and she was afraid if she told me you know 
hey, this is where you're at. And if nothing was happening, it would be like fear all over again. I'm like, wait, wait, I'm here now. Why is nothing happening? But she's like, I had, I told your husband, like everybody in the team knew, but like, you didn't know. We were just like, keep doing this and keep doing this. <laughs> Sometimes that, that's what we need as women. Like, don't tell me the numbers. Don't let me focus on, right. you know, the, the clock and how long the it's taking and all yes. the, yes, we try to like control birth. And we really, do. it's all the vanity metrics, right? Yes, so this, this, this totally. is that. And it's like, no, 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 no. Just, just we trust. get in our heads. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and really, we just need to trust and let go. And be in our body, right? Yeah, and so exactly. she just kept reminding me of that, being the body, being Love the body. That. So it was like, okay. So then, you know, I, by the way, I didn't have him until I will. So I didn't have him till almost eight o'clock, like 7.58 PM uh, central time. His head came through at 7.30, but he was um, turtling. And a, um, a little backstory before that, I was in the tub for walking around. I was on the ball. I was doing all the things. And, um, he just wasn't, you know, fully coming, but she knew like I was already at a 10. Like she, so she said she knew something was going on, but she was watching and trying to make sure and everything was good with heartbeat. Everything was safe with me. So she's like, okay, we're just going to keep going. We're going to keep allowing and seeing what's happening. And then they got me out of the tub at the end. Cause they had put the mirror, you know, in the tub and I was almost there. And I really thought I felt, and I was pushing and she was like, just push as you feel, don't push for any reason, just push when you feel it. So I was, And that's when I guess with the mirror, she could tell something was still going on. So she's like, we're getting you out of the tub. I had to surrender that because I really wanted my tub birth. I wanted the tub birth with Amelia. I wanted the tub birth with Abel. And it wasn't happening. And so she's like, get you on the couch, get on my living room couch, get me on all fours. You know, they turn me around. And she has me start pushing again. She uses her fingers as as like forceps, you know, like pushes down. And she's like, I'm going to push and put a lot of pressure. And I want you to push against them so I can see what's going on. So she starts to do that. And then that's when his head started to really emerge. And I guess that's when she saw when I really was pushing the turtling that was happening. So then she knew something's going on. We got to, we got to make changes quickly. So of course I didn't know this. I didn't have any emergency feeling or anything going on or not even emergency, but that anything was happening. I just knew that he was coming. They could see his head and Justin's saying he sees hair, but like, you know, nothing else is happening. So um, the other midwife gets the other side of me on the left-hand side and she moves my like leg this way, I guess, like out, like over and she unhooks. He was stuck. He had shoulder dystocia. So she unhooked him underneath on the left side of my leg and then as soon as she did they said push again and then he came right through and then he was wow there. like but she hooked his armpit reflecting now sitting here talking to you I'm like I was holding something again without even oh. realizing it even though I thought I had released so much yes it goes so deep Ellie like those things the fear we're holding like and then you like you step out and and you're facing new ones then you step out more you know outside your conference okay now I'm gonna have a home birth now the water birth and like and there's just so many layers. I love that you said that. So like, what were you holding on to? Do you, are you conscious of the, it? I think I was holding on to just the fear from the beginning of the first birth of like, yeah. you know, from, from the C-section to early getting stuck to my body can actually do this. Like, yeah. could I actually have a home birth? Like just, there was so much of like, could I actually do this? Right. Like, am I really yeah. meant to do this? Am I really made and designed to be able to do this? And I think I just held that mm. fear. And then of course, even though I had sacred boundaries, I was still hearing family and friends all, you know, scared for me. And what if this happens and what if that happens, you know, and so it, even though there was release, I still had obviously so much to work through, but thank God I remember in that final moment when she was starting to unhook him, I was deeply praying and I was surrendering to God. And I said, please just bring my baby forward. Whatever I have to do in this moment now, let me surrender it all to you and let it be and let my baby come through. And I, you know, and I said that prayer and I breathed deeply. And next thing I knew 
you know, there he came and, you know, we didn't even know we were having a boy, you know, and it was like, oh, oh my gosh, the boy, oh, you know, and it was like, you know, how did they, you know, how did your midwife resolve the shoulder dystocia? Did you, you got out of the tub and did you get in hands got me and out knees? Of the tub. Yeah. On, I was on all fours on my couch. Okay. And then she like moved my one, my left leg, like more off to the side, I guess, so she could get under me more to unhook yep. him once yep. they realized that he was from the turtling that he was, that he was stuck. And did she like hook so his that. armpit or like kind of help rotate him? I think it was to, <coughs> I think it was like the shoulder was like, just like kind of sticky and stuck yeah. and she yep. needed to release To get it. him out from under yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause those shoulders have to rotate in order right. to the, for the baby to come out. And if they're. So if that's you, why she got over and. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Thank good. Thank God for midwives with skills that know how to resolve those things. Seriously. Yeah. Because in the hospital, they would have like cranked your knees up to your head, had you push really hard. It's very abrasive. And I'm sure I said to my traumatizing. Imagine traumatizing in that moment. And they just, and I honestly had no clue, you know, anything until we did the birth processing six weeks later, where she was like, let's talk about what happened. Let's process, let's help you. you You know, and it was like, oh, okay. I didn't, I mean, I knew something was going on, but I didn't, you know, they kept me so peaceful and they had such confidence in me when I was, you know, pushing that like, he's here, you can do it. A few more big pushes. You know, my husband could see him and he knew he was coming and he's like, Ali, you've got this just few more big pushes, you know, a few more, you know, and it was like, and there he was, you know, and it was yeah. so, it was such a healing moment. And that's why Abel got the name Abel, because of course it's biblical, but it also means spiritual healer and breath in, you know, when wow. you look up the word and it was like, to me, like, okay, so this meaningful. was such a transformational journey for me of a, having the home birth that I wanted, trusting in myself, trusting in God, having those sacred boundaries and still right. That last moment of fear and facing that fear and moving into faith and him being there anyways. And it was just so magical. And so, I mean, just transformational in my life. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that. Like with every birth, there's more freedom. There's more transformation. Like even if you've had five, eight babies, like every birth is different and every birth teaches us something knew about ourselves. Yes. We're reborn every time, right? We go through the rebirth. It's like you re-meet a new version of yourself and it's like, oh, who's this version and what am I meant to learn? And it's just, it's, it's, it is, it's so beautiful. It's so magical. It's so wild. And I'm so grateful. And I'm just here to say like to any mom, like whether you're had, you know, one birth, two or three, it doesn't matter. Like you can have a different birth in each experience. And if you allow yourself and you have the faith and the trust and you get the right resources and team and everything, you can do it. You're meant to, you're designed to. And I would have never believed I could have a home birth until I did. Oh, I love that. What was your takeaway from the course? I know in working with you and just, I love how you just kind of like, were so open about your process. Was there anything about the course that really helped you on this journey? Um, or that like really helped, you know, transform your thinking yeah. or your, or your practically in your process? I think a few things. One, I think big time, there's the spiritual component of what you shared in the course, because you really get into that and how it is so spiritual. And I think so many courses miss that. And I think it's really important that you tap into that because it, it, we are the portal. We are the sacred portal with God to bring our baby earth side from the minute we conceive. So when you recognize that it's like this piece cannot be separate. And also it has to all go hand in hand. And I love that you brought that together. And that was really helpful for me, especially because I'm on such a deep walk with God and have such a spiritual path now. It really resonated for me with all I was going through and what I was, you know, shifting into and who I was being kind of becoming. Um, I think also too, the physical understanding of how the body works and how it's truly designed 
to birth, that was also a game changer for me, understanding like this literally is how we are designed. Mm -hmm. That changed a lot in the way I perceived my body instead of looking at it as broken, things had gotten stuck. It was like, this is how we are made. And when you release and allow the fear to be gone and have the faith and trust and actually give the body what it needs, it will do what it's meant to do because it is designed that way. So that I would say there was a lot with your course, but those were the two things that really stuck out for me. And then of course your breathing exercises, you have your own style. Of course, me being breathwork, you know, facilitator, I used a little bit of mine and a little bit of yours and the combination was beautiful. Oh, I love it. I always love hearing what like the takeaways women get from it. Um, yeah, that's so incredible. And for those who want to learn more about like your breath work and what you offer, can you share about your resources? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So I created my own app called Breathe and Be, just B-R-E-A-T-H-E and and the letter B, just all about being in your being. And you can download the app store and Google Play. You can download it for free. And then I highly recommend subscribing for all access to all the breathwork exercises, my courses in there, my challenges, my meditations, affirmations, everything I've used to move me through in the breath. And I update it every month when you're a subscriber. So you're getting all new content continuously for me, as well as community and progress tracking and messaging with me. So I can really help you and help you move through, you know, continuously in your journey. Um, of course you can work with me one-on-one. I also do breathwork circles every month. Um, so I do those online and you can join online, um, either, you know, in person, um, or, you know, via recording. And, um, I recently released my new breathwork challenge where I'm calling everyone in to be their best selves through the breath. So it's called the best challenge and I best meaning breathe, embody, surrender, and transform. So you can sign up for that and join me in that sacred container where I'm breathing with you live for 22 days and shifting you from those lower states of consciousness to higher states of consciousness, because it is all possible through the breath. And yeah, I mean, I love working with women and conscious mothers and those, you know, who are going to be mothers to help them understand that this does not have to be a traumatic event. This can be so beautiful and so faithful and so led and guided when you trust in the wisdom of your body, the divine messenger and divine channel, you trust in God and you take this path, the opportunities for you and the, you know, um, expression and, and progression and all you go through is endless. There's so much expansion here for you if you trust in it and you let go of that fear. So yeah. And I have a podcast that Karen was on called Awakening with Allie. So you can come and listen there. She's coming back on. So you can check <laughs> out that'll be coming soon. Yep. Um, you can hear us yeah, there too. At breathe and be check out my socials. Which I know we're going to be here in links at Allie Bean Design and Breathe and Be Allie Levine. So you can check out all the things that I'm doing and all my offerings. Um, and I just lo- I love to help people you know, breathe, honestly, as someone who never regulated her nervous system to Mm -hmm. now understanding how important that is in my every single day life and what that's changed from business to mother, to wife, to coach, all the things that I do, it's a game changer. So I'm here to wake up the world with breath work. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. And I'll put all those links for you guys in the show notes so you can find Ali. Definitely go check her out and her courses and her offerings and her app. So much incredible resources for you guys there. I'm just a huge fan of breathwork. I that's why I include it in my course. And I think it's, you know, you can it's applicable to every area of your life, not it just is. birth, yeah. but like like you said, Stress, regulating anxiety. your nervous system. Yes. Yeah. Motherhood. <laughs> motherhood, all of it. Everything. All of it. Regulating. Like it's sure. so important sleep. Yeah. Yes. I love it. It. And then that's all there on the app for sleep, for anxiety, for stress, for letting go of fear, for the power of you, for all of it. So yes, mm. come, come join the breathwork <laughs> journey with me. I'd love to support you. And Karen, thank you so much for having me. This was such a beautiful conversation. Oh, thank you for coming and sharing your wisdom with us. And I'd love, yeah, can't wait. Can't wait to be on your podcast again. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we'll thank, see. thank you. 
All right. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pain-Free Birth Podcast. If you were encouraged, it would mean so much if you left us a five-star review and shared this with your community. I'd love to connect with you on Instagram at painfreebirth. And to learn more about the Pain-Free Birth e-course, free resources, private coaching, and upcoming events, find out more at painfreebirth.com. See you next week.